Well, I got to say, uh, first, yeah, we're coming in a little hot today. Is it the outfit? <laughs> Just that's a joke, folks. Anyway, that's a joke. Uh, good to see Mike Farley and Alice back. Welcome back. Praise the Lord. Doing good. I I'm uglier than you thought. He can actually see now. So <laughs> it's good to have y'all back with us. Yes, sir. You can see that good now. Okay. Well, I'll save those for bungee jumping later. Anyway, just, anyway, that's a bad joke. <laughs> hey, uh, let me just say this. <laughs> My wife had to take a drink on that one. She's like, oh, no. Um, I am not easily surprised. My wife will tell you this. In fact, Nate could tell you this. The, the Friday night, Allison had a get-together at the house for the, her Sunday school class, and we did a campfire, and and I hadn't thought about it. I knew the teens were going on a trip on Saturday to do some service projects. And I just hadn't really thought to ask where. And uh, Nate was sitting there at the fire pit. And I said, so Nate, so where are y'all going tomorrow? What are you doing? He said, uh, service project. <laughs> and then I, I thought, uh, self? Hmm. Oh, and I thought, surely not. Well, yes, the next morning, I wake up to a bunch of teenagers and teenage workers in my yard doing all kinds of awesome stuff to the yard and the house. And me and Allison sat back and marveled at how quick they did what normally takes us two days to do. <laughs> and uh, that was just really awesome and overwhelming as a pastor, feeling very much appreciated. And, um, uh, and then to come into my office this morning and see the kids had put up the, the poster. And if you get a chance, feel free to stop by and look at some of the things those kids wrote. It definitely uh, very encouraging to your pastor's heart. Uh, but then uh, Josh comes down to my office and says, uh, Pastor, you need to come down here. We, we've got something we want to share with you for pastor appreciation. And um, that I didn't see coming, brother. That was awesome. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. You, you are an awesome church family. Uh, you've cared greatly for me and my family for the past eight and a half years. And um, my heart and my desire is that I will serve you even half the way you've served me because y'all have served us well. And I love you for who you are. Uh, I love our church family, the way you minister to one another, uh, the way you support one another, the way you pray for one another and the way you've cared for my family. Um, and so we thank you for that. And uh, now you'll be able to call me and uh, you'll still get my voicemail, but just leave a message and I'll call you back. But uh, thank you. Uh, actually now, Andrew, Andrew writes me, he calls me all the time when it's like I'm somewhere else other than the office and he wants to check the calendar. And so now I'll actually be able to check the calendar. I'll say, hold on, Andrew, I've got an iPhone. Let me check the calendar. Yes, we can do that. <laughs> so, all right, take your Bibles. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. Yes, that means the man does the coffee in the house calls Hebrews. All right. Tough crowd already, huh? Just, just getting started. <laughs> That's so the, the kids thought I was funny. They put that on their sticker, so I'll stay with it. Hebrews 10, and uh, you'll recall last week, uh, we stopped uh, here in the, in the middle of this, uh, but uh, the subject that we're dealing with is the perseverance of the saints. And so we want to continue that this morning and try and complete this section of Scripture. 
Again, I mentioned to you last time, this is uh, viewed as one of the second most difficult passages in all of Scripture. Uh, Hebrews 6 being the other, and, and I think the real uh, difficulty is the interpretation aspect. Uh, a lot of folks view chapter 6 and chapter 10 as a loss of salvation. Guys, keep this in mind as a rule of thumb. Difficult passages, usually you should never develop doctrine from single uh, source context. Um, eternal security is found throughout the Bible, most importantly throughout the New Testament. There, the doctrine of eternal security in, in blessed assurance is found throughout every uh, book of the New Testament. Uh, so when we come across a couple of difficult sections, be careful that we don't pull from that the final authority of a doctrine when it's clearly spelled out in other locations. That's why I believe chapter 6 and chapter 10 are, are a lot of misinterpretation happens in these passages. And so that's why we wanted to look at this more in context and kind of get the big picture idea of what the writer is saying. So let's read the text and we'll look in Hebrews 10 beginning in verse 26. Do a little recap in the reading. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Father, I pray this morning that you give clarity of thought. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. I pray that you will allow me to preach and teach in the power of the Holy Spirit. You said if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Lord, I lack the wisdom in and of myself to rightly divide the word of truth. But by your power and your presence, 
May it be so. Teach us, Father. Through your divine spirit, may you lead us in this study today. And may you enlighten us and draw us near in worship. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I like this section, guys, here. But I would rather be on today's sermon. So if y'all could maybe throw up the uh, last week's. Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> um, perseverance of the saints. And we talked about last time, uh, and I gave you this outline, so if you're taking notes, it'll be on the screen shortly, but if you're taking notes, three things that we're looking at in this section of Scripture. Rejecting the truth, 10, 26 through 31. Recalling the trials, 10, 32 through 34. And that's where we'll be today, uh, Lord willing. And then we're going to look at rewarding the tried in 10.35 through 39. We talked about last week in this first section of Scripture, and you read here and you see why many folks kind of get off the beaten path when it comes to what is being taught here in this section of Scripture. Because he starts right in with a warning, and the warning passages, there's five different ones in the book of Hebrews, and he begins here in this section by, with a strong warning. Verse 26, he said, For if we sin willfully... After we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Now when you read that, immediately you see warning. Do not reject the truth. But a lot of people see this and say, ah, see, see, this is a clear indication that if, if, you, if you're saved and yet you go on and sin and you keep sinning willfully, then you lose your salvation. Guys, that's not what this is teaching. That is not the context of the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews context has been, still is, at this point, dealing with three types of people. And so this is a shotgun blast of warning that applies differently to those folks. So, for example, if I say into this audience today here that unless you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you too will likewise perish. Was that for the believer? I just said it to the believers, right? Or is it perhaps to the unbelievers in the midst of our audience. You see, there's unbelievers in the midst of this audience in which this, this is being written. This letter was being written to believers, unbelievers, and scoffers that were there in the midst of that congregation. And no doubt we very well may have the same type of audience here today or watching via the internet. And so when I call for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, there's one sense in the need of salvation for the unbeliever, but as a believer, it's also a strengthening and a reminder of where you've come from and your desire still today to be repentant daily before a holy God. Not that you fear the loss of your salvation, but you recognize the grace by which you're saved. And so we've got to be careful when we read this passage. What is he saying? He's saying, look, the Judaizers were trying to pull those people on the fence back into Judaism. 
They wanted to return to all those temple sacrifices. Oh, come on back to the old style of worship. Come on back in here. This is where you need to be. And the writer's saying, no. The, the sacrifice of bloods and goats, guys, there is no more sacrifice. Jesus was the final sacrifice. So if you willfully, knowing the truth, reject it, there is no sacrifice that can atone for your sin. That's what he's saying. He's dealing with the sin of rejection of Christ. That's the willful sin. And look, we still today have many people who grow up in the church who make a profession of faith, but are not truly born again. And those are the ones that we see doing well. And then they go out from us because they were never of us. They go seemingly back into a lifestyle of sin and just riotous living. And we scratch our head and said, but, but I, I, I mean, they were saved. And then you have the other people say, well, see, that's what I'm saying. See, he lost his salvation. No, he was never born again in the first place. That's where I think that the, 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 it's really missed. Now, ultimately, only God knows who's in, who's out. That's not my job. That's not your job. But God has made clear on the pages of His Word that when He holds you in His hand, nothing, no one, created, no power, death, angel, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, if God can't keep that promise, then how in the world can we trust Him for anything else? Guys, God is a man of His word. He is God. He is all-powerful. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so the argument that this writer is making is that very argument. He said, look, I'm pleading, I'm begging with you. Don't go back into Judaism. Come to Christ. Come fully into that which you've been illuminated by. Eat that which you've tasted. Because they've been there in the midst. And this is the same plea we need to be offering to many of people sitting in our church pews, and especially in the Bible Belt. Because we've got a lot of people who think they're saved, but they do not possess, though they profess. And so this warning passage needs to be a strong warning. Do not reject the truth. Do not sit in this enlightenment being illuminated by the truth and then walk away by your lifestyle denying Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and continue down that path because there is nothing else that's going to provide the salvation you need other than Jesus Christ Himself. And to willfully reject Him is to willfully reject the truth of God. And surely that leads to a fearful, certain fearful expectation of judgment. And so that's what we looked at last week, and we talked about that, the rejecting of the truth. But this week, I want to focus on the recalling of the trials. Notice if you would in verses 32 through 34. Thank you, gentlemen, by the way, for that. Excellent. So, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. 
For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now, he's going to focus in on the subject of endurance here. He says, but recall the former days. Now, I mentioned to you last time when you look in verse 30, you see a bit of a transition. You see, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. And when you go back in the Deuteronomy 32 passage, you see the context that in that context of the Old Testament, he was speaking to Israel. And as you know, not everybody in the house of Israel was true Israel. We find that in the New Testament. Many of them, just because they said they were of their father Abraham, didn't mean they were of their father Abraham. Jesus says, you're not of your father Abraham. Uh, if you were, you'd do the works of your father Abraham, but you are of your father the devil. So he made that pretty clear that just because they've been circumcised, just because they claim to be the chosen, didn't make them the chosen. Hear me loud and clear, church. Just because you go to church, just because you've been baptized does not mean automatically that you are a child of God. Paul says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Guys, the scariest thing for me as a pastor is to stand up here week after week and proclaim the only way of salvation, Jesus Christ, and to know that potentially... For some of us, it may be deaf ears. It falls on a hard heart. Because we have this level of fire insurance. Well, I believe. The Bible says that even the devil believes and trembles. You believe there's a God, you do good. But even the devil believes and trembles. That is my wife's testimony. She'll tell you, as a teenager, she sat in a chapel. She'd gone to church all her life. She had heard week after week the same type of messages some of you are hearing. She sat in chapel service week after week. She was in a Christian school. And yet an evangelist came in, a missionary came in one week and preached the message in James and made that statement. And when that statement was made, it hit her in the heart. She believed, but even the devil believed. And she realized that there needed to be a true heart surrender. There needed to be a repentance, a faith in Jesus Christ. Not just a said relationship, but a genuine believing, persevering, enduring, possessing relationship. And so by faith, she turned from her self-righteousness, her self-righteous understanding, and she turned to the only means by which she could be saved. She surrendered her heart and life to Jesus Christ and by faith received His sacrifice to her account. And so, young person, old person, I beg you today, what are you doing with Jesus Christ? What have you done with Jesus Christ? Where is your hope? Where is your faith? And I pray it is anchored solely and completely upon the person of Jesus Christ and the work that He's done for you at Calvary. And if it's not that, then you need to turn your back on whatever you're holding on to and you need to cling to the cross of Calvary. 
You need to cry out for the mercy and grace that God offers you in the person of Jesus Christ. He loves you and He died for you. He's paid your penalty for you. And He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. That's the plea. And so now he transitions in and he, recall, he tells these folks, recall, and again, if I were to say to you as a congregation, you guys remember? Now for some of you, this is going to miss and some of it is going to hit. And for some of those fence straddlers, they knew what it was like because they had been right there alongside them. Evidently, there's been something that's happened in their history, recent history, where they suffered some persecution. They had gone through some junk together. And in fact, it had gotten so bad that some of them had been thrown in jail. Which, by the way, I think this is why I believe this is Paul writing. Now, I can't say it dogmatically, but here's one of the evidences I would point to to say this is why I think Paul wrote Hebrews. Notice what he says. Notice in verse, uh, and I'm skipping ahead and I'm going to come back, but, but notice verse 34. For you had compassion on me in my chains. That's a phrase Paul uses in other epistles. Now, it's not uncommon, again, for somebody to have been thrown in prison in those days because of their faith. So I get that, I understand that. But I just think that's one of the reasons I believe it was the Apostle Paul. But what he's saying here in this section of Scripture, in this second point, recalling the trials, he's pleading with these folks and he's saying, look, I want you to recall those former days in which after you were illuminated, again, whether it was those unbelievers, whether it was the believers, I say both. Because as we talked about last time, somebody could be illuminated, tasting, but never eating. But also those who, who um, he says, sanctified. We talked about that. We find examples in Scripture. Where I showed you last time in, in, in Corinthians, I think it was, where the uh, husband who was a non-believer was sanctified because of the believing wife. So we got scriptural evidence where, again, that was a, a specific word being used. And so whether it's being used here for unbelievers or believers, I understand there's different understanding on it doesn't change the truth of what's being said in that whether you were a believer or unbeliever in the midst of this congregation, you were still taking part in that persecution. And you were standing up for what was right. And that's what he's saying. A great struggle. He says, look, recall the former days in which after you were limited, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly why you were made a spectacle. This is where we get our word theater. It's also the idea of those... Um, Gladiator games. This is the first PD Live right here in the scripture. I mean, you know, they were made a spectacle. Everybody saw it. And so they got drug out of their house, whatever the case, both by reproaches and tribulations and partly why you became companions of those who were so treated. So whether it was those being, as believers, being treated this way, the unbelievers or, or, or believers, they were, they were friends with these people that were suffering like this. They were standing up for what was right. And it was costing them something. When's the last time you stood up for what was right and it cost you something? When's the last time you put your neck on the line for truth? The writer of Hebrews is, is trying to stir their heart. He said, look, recall those times. You had compassion on me in my chains. You visited me when I was in prison. And joyfully, joyfully, <laughs> imagine this, follow me here. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Can you imagine? Give us your stuff. Start with your guns. They plunder your stuff. They take your stuff. 
They raid your fridge and get your food. They go into your kid's room and they start grabbing all their stuff. They drag out you into the street and they persecute and make light of you and fun of you because of your faith. Can you imagine? Many in, in, in parts of the world can. You know, I go back to our Sunday school we had, was it last summer? Summer before? And we looked at the Syrian refugees and Iraqi refugees and some of those families that no doubt they can relate. And yet they accepted it joyfully, recalling the trials, the endurance. How? How were they enduring? Well, through the struggles with sufferings, partly while they were made a spectacle by reproaches and tribulation, by the companion of those treated the same way, verse 34, through the compassion, and then here, joyfully accepted. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. Why? Why? Notice what it goes on to say. They joyfully accepted the plundering, uh, you accepted joyfully the plundering of your goods, knowing, knowing, you might want to circle that one, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now, in heaven is not found in most of uh, the manuscripts, the majority of manuscripts, so you can just wipe that one out or keep it in there. It doesn't really matter because the truth is still the same. What's this point? He's pleading with these people. Guys, do you remember? You remember the beginning days of your conversion. You remember all you cared about was your fire and zeal for Jesus. Man, you were on fire for Jesus. That's all you needed. That's all I needed. It didn't matter. You could take whatever you wanted to take. I got Jesus. I'm on top of the world. I'm on fire for God. Woo! Glory! And this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, recall that. Recall that. Now, again, whether it's he's addressing the unbeliever and he's saying to them, hey, you were right there with them. You were part of that congregation. You remember that? Remember when you were tender to those things? The Spirit is at work. Maybe you're sitting here today as an unbeliever and, and maybe you recall a time when you were a little more sensitive to the enlightenment of the Spirit of God. That draw, heed the warning. Don't reject the truth. And if you're a believer, then we need to recall. We need to remember these things. Guys, because we need to know that our treasures are not here on this earth. But there's laid up for us in heaven as we were praying this morning before church. And Dr. Shook reminded us through prayer of these treasures are stored in heaven, guys, where moth doesn't eat it, rust doesn't destroy it, thief doesn't break in and steal it and take it. Let your retirement plan be out of this world, right? <laughs> I mean, that's where our treasure is. It's where it's supposed to be. If my heart is on the things of God and who He is, if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, these things will be added to us. Walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Maybe you need to take a step of faith today. Trust God. He will not let you down. He has never let you down. He cannot let you down. God's not in the failing business. Recall the trials. You've been through the fire before. You've been through some suffering before. Was God faithful? Has He seen you through? Are you here today? And if you're not, then you're in glory and you know He's faithful. Amen? And this is the hope in the midst of a severe warning that the writer is trying to give to these people. Because whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, there is only hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he wants them to recall those trials. And then we see the rewarding of the tried. Notice, if you would, verse 35. 
Therefore, oh, anytime you see therefore, you better know why it's therefore. Therefore, because of these things, the rejecting of the truth, the recalling of the trials, these warnings, everything else he's been writing, he says, do not cast away your confidence. Oh, now see, this goes all the way back. Remember, we already looked at this in, in a previous section of Scripture. Uh, notice verse 19, we talked about it. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And he's continuing this thought. And so now he says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Don't turn your back on Jesus Christ. Don't turn your back on the only means by which you can be saved. Don't walk away and, and try to do things in your own strength that you know is only found in Him, believer. He's saying, look, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Unbeliever, you know what the will of God is for you? Repent and believe. And if you'll take God at His word and put your faith and trust in who Christ is, oh, you'll receive the promise. The earnest of the Holy Spirit. He'll seal you until the day of redemption to use other scriptural language. Believer, you've been given promises as well. And you know the great sacrifice it costs. You know the price that was paid to redeem your soul. Therefore, knowing who bought your salvation, you should have great confidence. You should know that after you have received that promise, one day there is coming a reward. We should have great confidence in this. God is faithful in rewarding the tried. You're going through some stuff. You're suffering. Don't worry. Be happy. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, which has great reward, for you've need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Notice what he says here. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Guys, Jesus Christ is coming back. He will return for those who've put their faith and trust in Him. Verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith. And he sums up the warning with another warning. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. They needed endurance. Saint, we need endurance. And sometimes endurance, I would imagine, Nate, when you're training for your triathlons, which by the way, y'all pray for Jessica. She's running a 5K this week. Woohoo! Yes, yes. So, uh, so she's doing some enduring this weekend physically. But I'm sure when Nate's training, he has to push himself. I'm sure there's much suffering physically uh, to get that endurance there. Guys, if you're going to work on your endurance, you're going to go through some stuff. It's part of it. 
but there's great reward. We see here in this closing section two people, the people of promise and the people of perdition. The people of promise, he says in verse 38, the first part, they are to receive the promise. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're, you're a people of promise. You will receive the reward. Keep running the race that you're running. The just shall live by faith. Maybe you're here and you're people of perdition. There's a warning. Don't draw back. And we can look into, again, Hebrews all the way back to 2, where he talked about those people who were going into the promised land, but they doubted God. They didn't take God at His word. They didn't truly believe, and they turned away. They drew back. And that's where we see this word perdition used there as well. And it was the sin of unbelief. And the scary thing, as I mentioned last week, we actually, if you go back into that account in the Old Testament and read it, you'll find that they later, like the next day or so, decided, yeah, we can do it. Let's go get them. Uh-uh. It ain't happening. They got their tail handed to them. And then they had to go out in the desert for 40 years. Don't play with God. God is not mocked. If you're sitting on that fence under the falsity of I go to church, therefore I'm a believer... And there's no abiding relationship. A branch abides in the vine. There's life that flows through the branch. If the branch is not attached to the vine, then it's just out there and it's a dead branch. Don't sit week after week and hearing the gospel, the glorious gospel that changes a man's soul and reject it. Instead, draw near. Draw near. And he had just said that earlier in this same chapter. That because of who Christ is and because of what Christ has done, in 10.22 he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. The just shall live by faith. Conclusion. Rejecting the truth. For he says, In an acceptable time I've heard you, and in the day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And if you've not turned to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let today be that glorious day of your salvation. He is the only sacrifice by which we can be saved. Therefore, do not reject the truth because it will have eternal consequences. Recalling the trials. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And we're going to look at that one a lot closer. But you know it comes on the heels of Hebrews 11, which gives you the examples of many who lived by faith. Endurance. And then we uh, would say, recall the trials that have been used in your life to 
Strengthen your faith. God was faithful. He still is. Trust Him. Trust Him with whatever you're dealing with right now. Trust Him. Draw near and full assurance. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He can't. And then keep this hope in the future. We're looking to. We can remember, right? Look back, but we also need to look forward. Rewarding the tried. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. I mean, do we really get this sometimes? Do you know who you serve? Do you know who I represent? We're ambassadors for Christ. King of kings. Lord of lords. We're His representatives. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Remember that your labor is not in vain. God will reward the tried. Keep on, saint. I love this quote. The saints shall persevere in holiness because God perseveres in grace. Oh, let me say that one again lest you didn't get it. By the way, that's Charles H. Spurgeon said that. The saints shall persevere in holiness because God perseveres in grace. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for wherever you are, for wherever you've been, for whatever you're facing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder this morning that uh, your grace is sufficient. Lord, as you were writing to the folks in the Hebrew chapter, this section of Scripture, Lord, it's a, it's a warning, no doubt. And really, that warning should serve to whether it's a, a, a scoffer, a, a person who's on the fence, or whether it's a believer. Uh, truly, we need to be reminded that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think of Jonathan Edwards and uh, I think of the uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and, and Lord, apart from your grace, we would be consumed. We saw here this morning in, in that even in the Old Testament that those who lived under the law, with two or three witnesses, they would suffer death. My mind goes to a story in the Old Testament of a man who was found picking up sticks on the day of the Sabbath. And because of that, he was taken outside of the camp and stoned to death for picking up sticks. But it was because he broke the very law of God and then we're told how much more would the judgment be to neglect the grace of God that's found in the Son of God and to trample that underfoot. How much more severe the punishment. How much greater the judgment. Because you're either under law or you're under grace. 
And if you don't know the last and only means of sacrifice, Jesus Christ, then you're under law. And the end is death. But Christ came into this world to offer hope, eternal life, and He offers it freely. Don't reject that truth. Surrender your heart and life today, and He gives you the grace that is sufficient. He gives you the grace to endure. He gives you the grace to live. He gives you the grace that you so desperately need. The grace we all desperately need. Not just for your justification, but the grace for your sanctification. And one day the grace for our glorification. Put your trust and hope in Christ and His sacrifice. And Lord, help us by faith as people of God to walk by faith and to trust you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.